Acts chapter number 10, if you'd stand with me, please. We're going to read the entire chapter here this morning, Uh, but before we read, I have something for you to consider, Uh, maybe a couple of questions about the character of God and who he is and how uh, it is that he does things. Here's a couple questions I have for you here this morning. First of all, does God hear the prayers of the lost? Does God hear prayers of the lost? I don't want you to tell me the answer right now. I just want you to consider this during the message this morning. Second question is, does God think the way that we think? And then the last question would be, who can be saved? Amen? Now let's read the word of God together. Acts chapter number 10. The Bible says that there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when, pardon me, when he had declared all these things unto them, He sent them to Joppa. Now on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth." Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common." Uh, or that called not thou common. And this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, uh, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. And then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. 
and the morrow after they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them and called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and he found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into uh, one from another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. Uh, I ask therefore for what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded to us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, and then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Father God, we honor and glorify you here today just as we sang a moment ago, Lord, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Lord, we are so grateful uh, for the great things that you have done for us and the things that you are doing in us and through us. And Father, we pray for a great moving of your Holy Spirit here this morning, Lord, that you would come down and be in our midst. Uh, Lord, that you might take your holy word and you might penetrate our hearts with it today. And, and Father, if there be, uh, that you search our hearts today, if there be 
be any wicked way in us, Lord, that you'd help us to see it, to know it, to repent of it. Uh, Father, that you might not only change us, but that you would change our minds here today regarding you and regarding your people. We thank you again for these that are gathered here. Lord, we pray for those who are not here. And uh, Lord, we just ask for your grace and your mercy here today. And all the saints of God said together, Amen. 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 You can be seated, folks. Peter had been in Joppa uh, prior to this chapter. You might remember from a few weeks ago when we were in Acts chapter 9 uh, that Peter had went to this place called Joppa. He, uh, he went there to see what was going on and, and uh, it, it began that um, he went to, to Lydda and there was a man named Aeneas that Peter uh, helped to, to raise him up there when he told him to rise up in the name of Jesus Christ that, that makes you whole and, and this man Aeneas was healed uh, and then Peter was called to Joppa uh, for the lady named Tabitha that had died, and Peter went there. Uh, the title of that message was "Like Father, Like Son." Jesus was just being Peter was just being like his Lord Jesus. He was uh, walking in, in faith and in trust, and he was doing the things that Jesus had taught him to do. Uh, Joppa was the, the name Joppa literally means a, a beautiful place. But now Peter is in Caesarea. Well, not yet. Peter's about to be in Caesarea. The scene of this begins in Caesarea there, um, which is a, a, a town on the Mediterranean Sea there, north of Jerusalem. Uh, it had a magnificent harbor I read about. It was a coastal town that was there by the seaside, and it was largely a Roman providence, uh, or province at that time, rather, and most of the inhabitants were, there was Roman rule, but most of the inhabitants were, were Greeks uh, there in and around that time. That gives you a little bit of context as far as where we're at. But the first thing I want to point out this morning in Acts chapter 10 is Cornelius's uh, recognition. There's a few things that we learned here uh, as we read in the text about this man named Cornelius. And first of all, we know that this man was a Roman centurion. He was, uh, he was in the Roman army and um, he had a place of power and position there. A centurion uh, is, is the word for a hundred. He was in charge of 100 men. And uh, he, uh, he served there in this part of the army they called the Italian band. And the Bible gives us several clues about uh, Cornelius besides the fact that he was a centurion. The Bible says that he was a just man. Uh, he was a man that was given to fasting. He told Peter he was fasting that day up until that time. Uh, he was a man that feared God. And not only did he, did he fear God, but the Bible says his family also feared God. This man was a natural leader. I believe that not only did he lead the army, but he apparently was leading his own family uh, because they feared God just as he did. And uh, the Bible says that he gave much alms uh, to the people or to those who were in need. And alms is just a good deed. He was helping those who were needy, uh, whether it be, it doesn't tell us if he gave uh, money or goods or whatever it was, but he was one that was given to helping those that were in need. And the Bible also tells us that he prayed to God always. This was a man that, that prayed, he fasted, he feared, he, uh, he was doing good to those around him. The Bible actually calls him devout. That word devout means to be pious or religious. 
He was a very uh, religious man, but Cornelius had a problem. He sounds like a wonderful man, doesn't he? But I tell you what, if I wanted to sit down and make a list of attributes that I wanted to have in my life, I think, I think all those ought to be on the list, amen? Uh, and Cornelius had these, uh, these attributes in his life, but he had a problem, and all of these were clues, and there were others also that pointed to the, re- the religious uh, activity that that existed in Cornelius' life, he was really following Judaism and not following Jesus. All of those things are things that would have shown up in the life of a devout Jew. Uh, A couple other pointers that the Bible gives us about him, first of all, was that he was of good report of all the nation of the Jews. Now, he would not have been given a good report by Jewish people unless he was engaging in Jewish activity. Amen? Jewish people uh, would not have praised him for being a Christian. We see the persecution that was coming uh, to the people that were in the first church that were Christians, and so they would not have praised him. Also, the Bible tells us not only did he pray, but it tells us when he prayed. The Bible told us that he prayed at the ninth hour. That would have been 3 p.m., which, by the way, was the common time for Jews to go to the temple to pray. You might recall in Acts chapter 3 that when Peter and John went to the temple to pray and they end up meeting and healing the impotent man that day, the Bible says it was at the ninth hour. They were going to the temple to pray because that was the common time that Jews would engage in prayer. And so this man... uh, Which, by the way, was still a significant thing for him to be a Roman, to be a centurion, but to take up the faith of the Jews. This was a devout man, but I believe that maybe the problem that Cornelius had was that he was too religious. He was following a religion. He was devout, but he was also devoid. He, he, he had a, 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 a desire uh, to, to follow God, but he was devoid of the Holy Spirit because he'd not been born again. He did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, I want to tell you today that you can have a faith in something and you can be sincere about that faith and still be sincerely wrong. I can go to one of those mountains out west that has one of those three-mile tunnels and I can go walking through that train tunnel and say, I sincerely believe that there's not going to be a train in this tunnel until I get to the other side. And I might get halfway through and see a bright light and figure out I was sincerely wrong. Amen? That was what was going on with this man. He had uh, a desire to know God, but he did not yet know God uh, because he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But the good news is, is that God saw and God knew the sincerity of his heart. And just let me tell you here today, if you're seeking God with all of your heart, you'll find him. Amen. If you are truly seeking God with your heart, you will find him, and Cornelius certainly did. But before we get to that, after Cornelius' recognition, uh, we see that Peter's revelation. And that happens here in the next part of the scripture, uh, beginning at verse 9, the next day after this had happened. By the way, Cornelius had that, uh, uh, God recognized his prayers. He recognized his alms. They were brought up before him as a memorial before God. He saw this vision, this angel coming to him and telling him exactly what it was that he needed to do. And, And what he needed to do was to seek out Peter. In other words, he needed to seek out the man of God to share with him the word of God. Amen. And so, uh, Cornelius was, was obedient immediately. He did that which was, he was told to do. But Peter, at the same time, uh, 
So this day before, Cornelius is there praying and fasting and fearing and all those things and seeking God. God is preparing him uh, for the work that he wanted to do in his life. But at the same time, here's Peter in another town. Peter's in Joppa. And what was Peter doing? The Bible says the next day that he's up on the housetop and he's praying. You see, Cornelius was not the only one seeking God. Amen? Peter was seeking the will of God and, and what it was that the Lord would have him to do. And he was up on the housetop to pray at the sixth hour of the day, which would have been about noon. And the Bible says that he got really hungry. And I can identify with that. I get, I get hungry when it comes lunchtime. And uh, Peter would have eaten, uh, but they were making this food. And the Bible says that he fell into a trance. And... Uh, and in this vision that Peter had, or this revelation from God, the Bible says that Peter sees this certain vessel descending. Another word that came from heaven. It's descending down. It's, it's this great uh, white sheet that is coming down. And uh, it's tied up at the four corners. The four corners oftentimes in the Bible refer to the earth. The four different corners. And uh, it's let down to the earth. And inside of this are all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. In other words, all these creepy, crawly creatures things that God has created they're all together in this net or in this sheet and the Lord says to Peter Peter arise kill and eat and Peter says whoa wait just a minute Lord I can't do that not so why we well, got to go back to the book of Leviticus to figure that out. God had given law to them uh, at that point in time, what was clean for them to eat and what was not clean for them to eat. And it had, there were a, a list of some different things that it had to do with their hooves, if they were split or if they were cloven or whatever the case was. And, and uh, there were several things like swine that were not, uh, that were not clean for them. And Peter... Uh, had adhered strictly uh, to these rules all of his life. But the Lord says to him, Peter, call not thou common what the Lord has cleansed. And I see a pattern here because the Bible says uh, that th this was done thrice. Three times the Lord comes to Peter. It seems like the Lord has a habit of coming to Peter three times, doesn't he? Uh, just to confirm what it is that he was saying. And, and, you know, we chuckle a little bit about that, but there are times that I'm praying about things and I feel like maybe the Lord has spoken to me about something, but I'm not sure. I'm glad that he comes and he confirms it. Amen? The Lord has the power uh, to make known unto us, whether by divine repetition, he keeps coming and coming and coming to make sure that we know that this is his will and this is what he wants done, or by divine instruction, because af after Peter, not only does he say it three times, but then when Peter comes out of this trance, the people that were sent to him are already knocking on the door, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and says, Arise and go down and go with them, doubting nothing because I have sent them I have sent them and I tell you what God knows how to clarify and he knows how to confirm amen if, if, if there's something that you're praying about if there's something that you think maybe God has told you and you're not completely sure sure yet just keep coming into his presence and keep praying and if it's it's if it's his will he has the ability to let you know amen uh, when I, when I uh, 
first was being called to preach. I remember different people would say things to me. It was our pastor, and it was other people in the church, and then there was people outside the church that would say things to me about, you're going to be a preacher, you're going to be a, a pastor one day, and I used to think that people were absolutely crazy. I thought, boy, I don't know. There must be somebody standing behind me when you're saying that, because I surely I can't be that person, and I'll, I'll never forget that the 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 day, the very day that I answered the call to preach, I was mowing my lawn. We were having revival services in our church, and and while I was mowing, I was just I was praying to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I just I can feel the Holy Spirit so strong in these services. I know that you're trying to move in somebody's heart, but they just won't move. Will you please move them? And I tell you what, it was almost almost audible. Immediately, I felt the Spirit of God say, "Did you ever think that person was you?" And I was already saved. I was already born again. What do you mean me? I'm already saved, Lord. And I show up that night. And we had a music group at our church that was singing that night who had never been in our church before. We found them uh, through some other people. And I talked to the, to the brother on the phone a couple times, but that was it. And I met him an hour before the service that night. And I was helping him carry their equipment in. And within five minutes, he looks at me and he says, Brother Aaron, when are you going to start preaching? And my jaw just about hit the floor. And then Brother Mike preached a message that night that stirred my heart, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt, no matter how much I wanted to tuck tail and run, God was calling me to preach. He confirmed it, and he clarified it to me. I didn't have to doubt or question anymore. I've had other circumstances where I, one time God, I, I was contemplating what to do in a certain situation, and I don't always have dreams or vision, but I did this time, and God made it absolutely perfectly crystal clear to me what I was supposed to do. He's not the author of confusion. With his plan, perfect plan, comes perfect timing. And when it's time, if there's something he wants you to do, he will let you know. But, but you know what? You have to be sensitive to the leading of, of his voice. Where was Peter at when the Lord spoke to him? He was up on the housetop praying. He wasn't playing video games. He wasn't out doing whatever. He wasn't skipping church. He wasn't doing all these things. Peter was seeking God, and when he, when he sought God, he found him. Amen? Just like it was for, uh, for Cornelius, uh, the centurion. So God made it clear what it was that he wanted to do. There was a place of revelation here that was in, in Joppa where Peter was at. The Lord came right where Peter was, right? Met him right where he was at and told him what he wanted him to do. There was a person of that revelation. That revelation came to Peter. Let me tell you this much. If you're looking for uh, instruction and revelation from God, you've got to be a child of his before you receive anything of him. You've got to be a born-again believer, a disciple of his that's following him and walking in obedience and trusting in the Lord. But also, there was a purpose uh, for this revelation, and that purpose was God was getting ready to correct one of his children. Now, Peter needed to learn to accept the unexpected. Has God ever surprised you? Has God ever done something in such a way or with such a person that you never thought was possible? You see, Peter, I believe that Peter thought that he was really making some headway with the Lord. The, the work, I want you to understand that the work with the Gentiles was really just beginning. And we saw some Gentiles saved a couple chapters back when, um, when Philip went and preached to Samaria. But you've got to remember those Gentiles, even though they didn't like them very much, they were probably a little bit easier for the Jews to swallow because they were part Jew. 
Samaritans were of mixed race. They were part Jew and they had mixed with the Assyrians you know, during the captivity back about, what was that, 722 BC, I think it was. And here is Peter. He knows that, that, uh, that some Gentiles can be saved. Do you remember where Peter was when they went to send for him in Joppa? The Bible says he was staying with Simon the Tanner by the seaside. Now, don't miss that. That's significant. Because a tanner is somebody who peels and tans the hides of animals, a.k.a. unclean to the Jews. They were not supposed to be around carcasses, and they were not supposed to be around those types of things. Now, Simon, uh, by the way, must have been a Jewish believer, or at least a Hellenistic Jew. He had the same name that Peter did. They were both Simon, right? Simon surnamed Peter, Simon the tanner. He lived by the seaside because I read that they would use the seawater to help them process these hides. And also, uh, the other reason that they lived by the seaside is they, they didn't want them in the town where they'd have to smell the things that were coming out of their work. They put them outside because not only did they consider them to be unclean people, but they considered them to be um, uh, just to be an unclean work and they didn't want to be around it. Yet Peter is there dwelling with this guy. And I, I, I can just imagine, I, I see myself in a lot of these things. You know, sometimes we look at the circumstances in our life and we really think we're making headway with the Lord, right? Oh, Lord, I forgave that person that I didn't want to forgive. And aren't I just doing so good, Lord? I'm doing the things that you want me to do. And, and I imagine it took a lot for Peter to go to this unclean house and to dwell there. He didn't just stop by and visit or say hello. The Bible says that he dwelt there, dwelling with this man uh, that was called Simon the Tanner. And uh, I'll tell you, I believe that, that Peter didn't mind dwelling with unclean Jews. He'd gotten to a point where he didn't mind that as long as he didn't have to assemble with unclean Gentiles. Amen? Uh, but let me make sure that you understand that this is not so much about clean and unclean as it is about the church. God was beginning to form his church. And, and we know it's the church. One of the reasons we know it's the church is because the Bible talks about this linen from the four, this clean linen that was gathered from the four corners of the earth and it came down from heaven it was drawn back up to heaven and uh, you might remember when Jesus spoke to, to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 he said I say unto thee thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it Jesus said he was going to build his rock his church on this rock now the Catholic Church would teach you that that rock is Peter himself, that the Lord was going to build his, uh, his uh, church on Peter. But do you remember the question that the Lord asked Peter just a verse or two before that statement in Matthew 16? Who do men say that I am? Who do people think that I am? Peter said, some think you're Jeremiah and some think you're John the Baptist, but thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and the Lord said, uh, blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but thy father, which is from heaven. And then he says upon this rock, what's the rock that Jesus is gonna build his church on? A profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The church is not built on a national race. The church is not built on the things that we think it ought to be built upon, but the church is built upon a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And the Lord had revealed Christ to Peter, and for the first time now, God is now revealing the church to Peter. He wants Peter to understand uh, what the church is going to be. And as I had mentioned before, this is the first time that the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the Holy Spirit had, there's a few Gentiles, uh, Samaritans, that I don't even know that they really called them Gentiles, that, that were saved a couple chapters back. But this is the first time that true Gentiles, the Holy Spirit is falling upon them, and they are being saved. And let me tell you that Paul was not the first one to receive the mystery of the church. It was Peter. Right here in this vision that we read about, in Acts chapter 10, you, you look at Matthew chapter 13, that whole chapter is about the mysteries, uh, the mystery of the church. And, and you have there uh, the, 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 the parable about the soils and the wheat and the tares and the mustard seed and the leaven and the, his, the hidden treasure and the hidden pearl. And all of these things go back to the church. The, the church was a hidden thing to the Jews of those days. They thought for sure that they were the only people that God had chosen. They were the only ones that could be saved the rest of the world didn't have a shot didn't have a chance there was no reason in witnessing to them or sharing Christ with them because God had already chosen and he did choose the Jews as a as a peculiar people unto them but you know what I'm thankful that God chose to 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 save whosoever will amen whosoever will call upon his name and trust upon him respond uh, to his drawing and um, uh, so the, the church, the word literally for church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, those that are called and that come out, a, a vessel uh, that's spoken of here, that, that spoke of that, uh, that, uh, that knit and sheet being a vessel that descended down from heaven, a vessel is a chosen instrument. In other words, it's something that you choose to use for a specific purpose and that perfectly describes what God was going to do uh, through the church and and God chose the church, but here's the question, is who is the church? Who is the church? What is the church made up of? When God spoke to Peter, Peter uh, had said not so, and I already told you that the Lord uh, had a plan here to change Peter's mind. He had to correct his child, and uh, I told you that Cornelius had a problem, that he was, he was just too religious. He needed relationship, not religion. Well, here's Peter, a follower of Christ, who's still too religious also. All these things that this... Laws of ceremonial cleansing and what's clean and unclean, those were things that went back to, to his days in, in, uh, in Judaism. And God was changing Peter's mind about who and what he thought about the church. And God was getting ready to change the membership uh, of the church. And he told him not to call common what God had cleansed. So after Cornelius's Recognition after God recognized his prayers and his alms and his seeking of God. God gives Peter a revelation about who and what the church really is and how God would, would build the church. And now we see the people's regeneration uh, beginning there 
and verse 23, Peter calls them in, and the next day they go out, and uh, they're heading towards uh, Caesarea, and uh, the Bible says that as they were, were, were entering in there, that Cornelius was there waiting for him. He was anxious for this. Uh, he had a desire and a hunger, and not only was Cornelius anxious for himself, uh, but also he had called together his kinsmen, his family, and his near friends. Peter had never been inside of a Gentile house before, all of a sudden he walks into a Gentile household not only is there a Gentile there but the house is full the house is packed Cornelius has got his family there he's got his near family he's got his friends all these people are gathered together and as he goes in the door Cornelius falls uh, to worship him and Peter says don't worship me I'm a man Uh, rise up in other words this is about the message It's, it's not about me You know, when you come into the presence of somebody that uh, sometimes the Lord puts us in in circumstances where we get to witness to somebody that doesn't know Jesus. You make sure that when you're there witnessing to them, you're not telling them about about you. Don't receive any praise or worship from them for anything. Uh, I don't know about you, but when what the, the world doesn't need to hear about Aaron, the world needs to hear about Jesus. So you make sure when you're there that you witness to them about who he is and what he has done. And Peter says God is not a respecter of of persons. There are none uh, that are cleansed by God that are unclean. And we might look at this situation and say, well, this is something that Peter dealt with so many years ago. But are we really that far away from where Peter is? We talked on Wednesday night about persecution and our time of prayer Wednesday night and talking about how it's one thing to pray uh, for someone that's being persecuted in some faraway land and even to pray for that persecutor in some faraway land. It's harder when that person is persecuting you and that persecutor is right here. There are some people groups or, or some individuals that we might look at even in our day and age and say there is no way that they will be a part of the church. There's no way that they'll come to faith in the Lord. There's, they, they, you know, we, and, and we use that term, and I'm guilty of it too. We talk about they a lot, don't we? We, we talk about the, the leftist and, and uh, we, we talk about um, those that are uh, liberals and, and we talk about those that are of different nations we think about some of the things that are being done here and abroad and what stirs up in our heart is anger I was talking recently with somebody about some of these things and they had a family member make a, a pretty cold comment about abortion and about you know things in our country and about the Lord and they asked me how to respond and I said one of the things that we I said your viewpoints on these things are not wrong but even a good thing done in the wrong way is not a good thing we're called to bring light to these circumstances not heat those are two different things light exposes things and helps give direction for the places that we need to go, right? He oftentimes can damage and destroy things. We're we're not ever called to be heat in the Bible, but we are called to be light. And so we have to 
love people and, and share the truth with them. You know, we don't have to worry about what we're going to say or how we're going to do it or I don't know if I should talk to them or not. God might not have called them or they might not be saved or, you know, they, they're, they're not going to believe. We're, we're not called to deal with any of those things. We're called to share. He's called to save. Amen? We don't have to save anybody. We don't have to worry about our abilities. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to memorize. It's good for you to memorize scripture, but you don't have to memorize the entire book of Isaiah to go witness to somebody. You just be faithful and don't talk about yourself. You tell them about the Lord Jesus and you leave all the heart work to the heart physician. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Peter realizes finally that God is not a, respecter of persons and when he gets there I love what Cornelius says to him he says immediately this is verse 33 immediately therefore I sent to thee and thou hast well done it thou art come now therefore we all are here present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God Cornelius said here we are gathered before God to hear the word of the God to hear the word of God now, would you share it, please? I've told you often that we ought to be in our Bibles. You can't recall what you don't install. You can't share what you don't know. You can't give out the word of God if you don't know the word of God. And so this is proof that we ought to be actively engaged in reading and knowing our Bibles and getting to know the word of God so that we can share with others uh, the word of God and, and God was, was choosing uh, to work with them and, and you, you get down Peter opens his mouth and in verse 34 he says of a truth I perceive that God's no respecter of persons but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him what did we learn about Cornelius that he feared God, that he gave much alms, and that he prayed always. He was devout. He was religious. He was not yet a saved man. He was a religious man, but he was not yet saved. But God knew his heart. And I believe that, that, that both of us are involved in salvation because God chooses us to be saved, and we have to choose to respond to his choosing of our salvation. In other words, uh, it's, it's just like if, if you were to ask me, Aaron, how did you get married? Did Jessica choose you, or did you choose her? My answer would be yes. She chose me, and I chose her. And because we chose each other, we got married, amen? And praise God, he's given her enough grace to stay married to me after all this time. But God chooses those that choose him. Cornelius didn't yet have an understanding of God, but he, what he knew of him, he was seeking God. And God honored that, and, and it became a, a memorial uh, before him, and, and uh, the Lord was moving in his life. And, and, and then, and then uh, verse 36, Peter begins to share the word of the Lord. He, he starts to talk about uh, uh, the word of God, which, which was sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That's what they know. That, that's what they need to know, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that word, he says, I say you know. In other words, uh, Cornelius had been close enough to Jerusalem for long enough. You couldn't have been anywhere near that place and not have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ and 
And so he begins to talk about how Jesus was anointed and how he was crucified and how he was resurrected. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit of God fell upon that place. They heard the message, the man, the means of salvation. And it says in verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Aren't you glad that it's really that simple? That if the voice of God is speaking to you, and if you would hear his voice and harden not your heart, if you would receive him, we talked this morning about the meaning of worship and about it uh, meaning be, being an act of submission. I, th I think the greatest act of submission at all, the greatest act of worship is submitting ourselves to a holy God and acknowledging our own unholiness, our own uh, sin, our own utter depravity apart from him and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Dear friend, I'm gonna tell you before the Lord today that you can't be saved until you're lost. You have to get lost before you can get saved. All you had to do to get lost is to be born, and then you have to realize that you are lost. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that we were uh, shapen in iniquity and in, in sin. Did my mother conceive me, David would say in Psalm 51. We're sinners. We do things we ought not to do. We say things we ought not to say. The Lord Jesus Christ said it goes as far as not only of what you say about what you do, but even what you think. If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, if you have anger against your brother with, with no cause, we're sinners. And if you will not submit to the Lord and admit to God that you are a sinner, if you refuse to do that, you are refusing salvation. You cannot be saved unless you will not repent. Who's a sinner? Paul would say in Romans 3 that none are righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come in short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And can I tell you that there's only two kinds of people in this world apart from Jesus. Jesus was the only man that never sinned because, yes, he's fully man, but he's also fully God. We learned that in Sunday school today that he's not able to sin because he's God and he always does the right thing. There are sinners and there are sinners saved by grace. Which one are you? I asked you a question when we started here this morning. Does God hear the prayers of the lost? And the answer is yes, if they're seeking him. Yes, if they're seeking him. God does not hear the prayers of lost people who are against him and, and living disobediently. And he doesn't hear those prayers. But he does hear the prayer of a lost person who's seeking him. And somebody in here ought to say amen because that was every single one of us at one point in time. Does God think the way we think? Does he do things the way we do them? 
Peter would have went to that place and had God not changed his mind about who was gonna be part of the church, I have to imagine that Peter wouldn't have, wouldn't have given two thoughts of going into the house of this Cornelius, a Roman centurion. But the Bible says that his ways are not our ways. And who can be saved? Who can be saved? Whosoever will. The book says, the Bible says in the book of Romans in chapter number 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What sort of confession is he talking about? Is he saying you have to come before the church and tell him about the time you took a piece of bubble gum when you were seven and tell him about the argument you had with your wife? Boy, if that were true, we'd have the whole church up here every week. That's not the kind of confession that he's talking about. You need to confess your sin to God and anybody that you've sinned against. But the confession that Paul writes about here in Romans 10 is the profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That I'm willing to stand before the world and say, I believe in Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I'm not ashamed of him. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to who? the Greek, the Gentile. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. It's with the heart that we believe. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see, God sees us. He knows the circumstance we're in. He knows if we're seeking him. Sometimes God surprises us in the way that he moves and the way that he works. And I'm so glad that he does. And God's the one that saves. Amen. He gave uh, Cornelius a vision. And then he turned around and he gave Peter a vision. And I believe all of this was done because God had a vision of what the New Testament church was going to be. A group of born-again believers, no matter what nation or tongue they were from, that would believe in him. All believe, believers together, just like that sheet that was let down out of heaven. We all came from God. There's not a one of us, if we're true believers, that have not been cleansed by God. And one of these days, dear friends, every single one of us is going to be carried up by God. We're going to be raptured together, just like that sheet was carried back up to heaven. We're going to be carried away uh, with him if we are true uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit was at work in this. He doesn't only regenerate sinners. Listen to me now. Sometimes he has to renovate saints. Sometimes he has to change the way we think and the way we believe about things. You have to believe what the Bible says. I've had some hard conversations this week. I, I, people are asking me about this and that. And, and there are some very difficult things that we questions that we often uh, have and we want to answer and the answer friend is found in this book no matter what it says on a circumstance if what you have believed I don't care if it's what you've always been taught if it doesn't line up with what this book says then you need to change your mind and Peter had come to a place where God was changing his mind God revealed his word to the man of God and then the man of God told them what they ought to do. Can I ask you this morning, what ought you to do today? We find in this passage Cornelius who was a, a seeker 
that needed God to save him. But not just him. We find Peter, who was a preacher that needed God to change him. We have here a a Savior that God sent to uh, reveal himself to the world and to redeem us from our lost condition and a helper, the Holy Spirit, that God sent to draw the two together and to fill them that whosoever will may be saved. I think about Peter's mind needing changed about who could be part of the church. There are lost people too who sometimes need to have their mind changed about who can be part of the church. In other words, what I'm saying is sometimes there are people that think I could never be part of the church. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the circumstances of my life. You don't know how far I've strayed or some of the things that have happened to me and I'm not one of those righteous holier than thou people and and I'm so glad that Jesus said uh, the sick need a physician he came to seek and save that which was lost amen he didn't say I come to seek those that are already found by the way there are none of which if you'd be willing to call upon the name of Jesus if you'd hear his voice if you'd submit your act of worship if you'd submit and surrender yourself to him you can be saved You can be religious, you can even be called out, but friend, you must come out from among them. Cornelius heard the word of the Lord. He thought he was doing everything that he was supposed to do, but God showed him that he wasn't. And I don't know if that describes you today. Maybe you were like Cornelius and you thought, well, I've believed in God and I've been going to church. I've been doing some pretty religious things. I give money and and I pray and, and I do all those things. You can do all those things and still be eternally lost, friend. You need Jesus. God revealed that to to Cornelius. He also revealed to Peter that he needed to change his mind. Maybe you're here today and you've had a hard heart against a person or a group of people uh, and and you've you've not really prayed for them nor have you believed that God could save them or make them a part of the church. I would encourage you to change your mind. You know what happened after these people put their faith and trust in Christ, by the way? The Holy Spirit fell upon them, and then the Bible says that they were baptized in the name of Jesus. We're getting ready to have a baptism service here in a couple weeks, July the 24th, I believe it is. Does that sound right? It's a Sunday evening. We're going to have service at, at Brother Kenny's Pond, and... Uh, Nick has expressed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his desire to follow him in scriptural baptism. And we're going to meet together and, 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 and take care of that that day. And I just wonder if there's anybody else here today that would say, you know what, I've, uh, I'm, I'm trusting in Jesus. I believe that I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. Dear friend, if, if you can be baptized, you ought to be because Jesus said we ought to be. The Bible says to repent and be baptized baptized and unless you can give me a good reason which I've been searching the Bible and I haven't found one yet why you can't be baptized then you ought to be baptized 
Maybe you're here today and you need to be baptized. Come see me. Uh, come up during the service. Come forward. Make your confession of faith. And be willing to, to, to identify yourself with Christ. Get that taken care of. Get that done. It's a wonderful thing.